to another episode of Small Council Radio. So on tonight's episode, we are going to be discussing the newest vision in the flames, which is about the Free Folk uh, faction. We decided to go with the, this faction over the other ones just based on what hosts we have and guests we have on tonight. So if some of our uh, shows seem kind of sporadic in the in the order in which we're doing the faction releases. It's just based on uh, which factions the hosts play and just, uh, you know, what kind of works out with what will give you guys the best uh, reactions and insight. So that just kind of led us to Free Folk for this one. We're looking at trying to do Baratheons as the next one, but don't completely hold us to that. Uh, but yeah, well, without further ado, we'll jump right in. Uh, tonight we have with us Brett. Thank you so much for coming on and helping me with the show. Oh, yeah, of course. And then we do have a guest uh, coming on in a minute. Um, once he gets on, I will introduce him. But uh, So uh, while we kind of wait for him, I'll you know do what I try to do and throw the shout-outs in the beginning of the show. That way we don't have to... Uh, waste any time so some shout outs want to give at the beginning of the show is definitely for a lot of the content creators out there uh you know the guys out there you know they they put their heart and soul into their content so definitely go check out uh you know people like tabletop warden sunday slaughter um man there's so many of them i mean it's it's so awesome that our community has so many different content creators out there that you can kind of go and check out and you know they do tons of different type, types of content um brett how about you how about a couple of content creators you want to showcase oh of course um you've got um chase from on the table gaming he's obviously keeping up with these visions articles as well he's interviewing fabio and michael for each one so that's content straight out of the horse's mouth if you haven't checked his out you want to check them out uh, Brian Kerr is starting to do uh, is starting to do content again. You've got Ecats Miniatures beyond the tactics board. They do some beautiful paint. Uh, Grant is doing work for Three Sales Gaming as well. He's a patron for George. Uh, Three Sales Gaming and I do the visions articles as soon as they're leaked, so you can check those out and hear my hot take on those the day that they're released. Um, and then you've uh, got the stat site is still. Um, hosting a lot of TTS tournaments. Um, I know TTS has been really big for getting us through the uh, pandemic and stuff. Uh, they're currently doing World Cup, and they're doing their best to stream every single match. There's actually a match going on right now between uh, Rossi and uh, Dave from America, who is playing Giants. Um, or I'm, I'm sorry, not playing Giants. He's playing Dragons. I'm sorry. It's it's a It's a... A little bit of a positional <laughs> game right now. I left it to come do this, but uh, it's, it's interesting. Night's Watch versus uh, Mother of Dragons. So um, if you can, just check out any of the streamers who are streaming those games and doing commentary. It really helps out with their Twitch accounts and their YouTube accounts, whatever you can do to support those guys. But there's definitely always stuff going down, and we're doing kind of like the countdown to the end of 1.6 and transitioning into 1.7. So we're having some tournaments to – kind of close out 1.6 and who see who's going to take tournament championships home as their kind of final hurrah for uh, a Song of Ice and Fire version 1.6. Nice. 
Nice. And I definitely have to uh, second uh, Brian Kerr's uh, uh, content. We had him on as a guest a while back uh, for those that have maybe not have seen the, the episode, but it's definitely one of our better episodes. So definitely go check that out. I believe that one was when we talked about uh, the trappings of meta mentality. So definitely one, I believe in our uh, annual um our year our our anniversary show we uh listed some of our favorite episodes and that was definitely way up there. So definitely go check that one out if you haven't already. There are just a blue million content creators and I'm not meaning to snub anybody or leave anybody out. Just anybody, as you mentioned, who does the work and puts in stuff, it's always done for the community. So anybody that's doing any level of content, just drop by, check out their YouTube videos, leave them a, leave them a like. Uh, YouTube, you can subscribe for free. Uh, on Twitch, if you subscribe to your favorite uh, channels, it helps them out financially. So whatever you can do, um, I know it can get really expensive, but uh, just whatever you can do to help. Nobody's making a career out of this content. They're just looking to improve the content that they do with, and, and everything helps. You know, if you get them enough views, that they can start get some advertising, things like this, it, it helps. Yeah, and Exactly. Like, like Brett said, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we can't really, uh, financially support our content creators, uh, which is fine, you know, uh, but the next best thing you can possibly do just, you know, like follow, share, uh, whenever you can, um, all my favorite, uh, YouTubers, I make sure the first thing I do is hit the like button. I mean, I know it sounds weird to hit the like button before you've even watched the video, but Worst case, if I have to, at the end of the video, I'll, I'll put the thumbs down. I don't know if I've ever done that, but um, I'm, it's just one of those, you know, do it before you forget and, you know, share it out whenever you can. So, uh, you know, that's the best way to kind of help uh, support a content creator if you can't really, uh, if you're not in the means to help them financially. And if you are, um, there you know, most of the content creators, I believe, have, like, a Patreon, so definitely go check that out, because some of them have some pretty cool perks, like uh, Sunday Slaughter has some pretty cool uh, things that you get for uh, being a Patreon. So, um, but yeah, uh, without further ado, we're going to jump right in. Uh, we're going to start with the tactics deck, then the units, and kind of mix in the attachment combos as we uh, go through them. Um, Keep in mind, we will be referencing the Weeper and Tormund, but we're not going to be going over them. Uh, we're just going to kind of reference them. They, you can find those uh, reveals in uh, Vision in the Flames Commanders and Vision in the Flames Caracals on Simon's page. So uh, first up, we have Regroup and Reform, which reads, Start of a friendly turn, target two friendly infantry units, in long range of each other, remove up to four models from one of these units, restore that many wounds to the other. You may then move one attachment from one of these units to the other, replacing one model as normal and keeping usual attachment restrictions, or switch two friendly attachments in those units. So first thing I want to jump in and note that I absolutely love uh, about this card's change to its current rendition or its current form is uh, is that it's start of a turn, uh, whereas before is you had to activate the unit to trigger the healing. Uh, I like the fact that you can kind of just uh, 
or start of a friendly turn. But I like the fact that you can kind of just uh, heal up a unit that doesn't even intend to activate that round. What do you kind of feel about this card, uh, Brett? You still with us, Brett? I have no idea why I was muted, but I was muted. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was saying, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, are going to look at, look at this as a nerf, but it's not. They're going to look at the old version and say, well, you know, if I controlled the horses, I could free, I could heal an additional two, but this is not a nerf to this card. Um, You've got the flexibility to switch these attachments around. That's not something that you could do before. Sure, you're not getting the free two for owning the horse, but this is something that's to be expected. Um, when you kind of go hand-in-hand hand with reduced damage, I think we've seen that, uh, well, we've seen, at least with uh, the neutrals, which you guys already covered, we've seen that Spoils of War is not healing D6 plus two anymore. So I think with the tone down, in regards to damage output, you'll probably see some toning down with some of the healing effects as well. So uh, it's just one of those things you need to wait to see the, the entire picture and see what happened to everybody's healing and things of this nature before you kind of go out and say that this is a nerf. But with that in mind, I will say that switching the attachments around the way that the card works in the 2021 update is amazing. Um, you've seen that Raiders have adaptive. So, you can basically bring an attachment for your raiders and keep in mind how that attachment synergizes with some of the other units that you've chosen because you've got essentially a card that allows you to take the attachment from the raider, put it onto a different unit, and you've essentially not paid for that attachment. And it could be an attachment that brings really, really strong synergy. Like you can bring a unit of spearwives and not pay anything or not buy an attachment for the spearwives. And then if you put like a... Um, Spearwife Matriarch in a unit of Raiders, and then you switch it over to the Free Folk. Now, for nine points instead of ten, you've got the attachment that you wanted for your for your uh, Spearwives anyway. So that's just one example. But I really like the card. I like its flexibility. Even the switching attachments around. Sometimes, as the flow of the game moves around, you've got a unit that's tending to an objective. Maybe they don't need their attachment anymore because they're not going to be in the fray. So you can then take that attachment and switch it to a unit that is doing some fighting, and you're getting the best out of that attachment. Yeah, the some of the combos with this card is going to be up to you know sky's the limit, you know up to your imagination. Uh, some that pop into my mind is kind of as you're saying with the attachment, you could kind of just babysit a. Uh, let's say a follower's bone uh with a raider unit with um let's say the uh champion of bone and as uh fabio was saying in the vision of the flames you know the followers of bone are great even without an attachment and kind of can stand on their own without one but so you can run that unit at its base five points, run that raider with the champion of bone for free. And then when the followers of bone take that first hit, you know, they're going to pop off their visage and they're going to take some wounds and then start of your friendly turn, heal them back up and then throw that uh, champion of bone into the uh, followers of bone. Now you're cycling in 
Raider uh, wounds into a Followers of Bone wounds. Now they're back up to hopefully full ranks, and now they have an awesome attachment that synergizes really well with the unit. Um, another one that kind of pops to mind is, uh, you know, just um, if, you know, with uh, commanders being so important, coming up with the new missions that were revealed and giving extra victory points, having this card to start of your turn, move your commander, I believe uh, it's just any attachment, right? Move one attachment, yeah. yeah. So you can move yep. your commander, which could be in danger of being killed from one uh, unit to another, especially if that unit you're moving them to is on an objective and your opponent wasn't uh, expecting it. You know, uh, And it could be key at like the end of the game where they're like, you know what? they're going to be exactly nine points now because their commander's not an objective. And you go, you know, regroup and reform, throw my commander over on that objective. Now I'm getting two points for it. And now I've just ended the game because I've triggered 10 victory points or even, um, you know, that we've seen uh, that we'll go over in another uh, show, but Kel Drogo having that expert duelist and, um, and then, uh, you know, I'm, I have a feeling we're going to see much more expert duelists as the game progresses. You know, I'm hoping like Red Viper, you know, ends up having expert duelists or just other things, you know, that come down down the road. And, and if you're across from an expert duelist, you can, you know, get your commander out of there. You know, because the last thing you want is for, you know, have a 66% chance that your commander just pops and, um, you know, you have no way to... Uh, to get them back. So, um, yeah, next up on the list, we have coordination tactics. Um, actually we have our guest with us. Uh, Brett, why don't you introduce our guest for us? Uh, sure. A lot of people know him from, uh, you know, tabletop simulator and discord, uh, as winter is coming. This is Tom Tyler. He's traditionally known as a neutral player. He's a neutral loyalist. Um, he stuck with them for a very long time, but he just recently switched to Free Folk for World Cup, and he was one of the eight EU qualifiers. Uh, he actually did really well. Um, I think you were top four, right? But I yeah. will let him introduce himself, tell you about what got him into this game, how long you've been playing, any other war games, and what draws you into A Song of Ice and Fire, and then you can kind of just briefly tell us about your brief but very successful uh, run with Free Folk. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, my, my name is Tom. So I've, I've, this is my first war game. I've played um, the game pretty much since the start of the Kickstarter, but as you say, um, really been a neutral player. But uh, recently, they're, they're just not as competitive. So I was looking for something else that was a bit more interesting, but was still sort of good. Uh, so, yeah, this year I've been experimenting with Free Folk a little bit. Um, and yeah, did did all right at the World Cup. So um, yeah, that's that's that, that, that's about it really. Um, but yeah, no, they're 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 an interesting faction at the moment. I think probably internally, balance wise, they're they're not brilliant, which I think hopefully the new updates will try and resolve. But um, they're definitely a a fun faction to to play because if you play well, you do well with them. But if you you play poorly then i think you're, you're you're always looking at the end of a end of a loss 
So uh, before we move on to uh, the next Texas card, what do you uh, kind of what's your thoughts about the new version of regroup and reform? Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's it's obviously not as good as as the previous one because I think in the past regroup and reform was always useful if you had the forces just to get the additional two wounds. But um, I like it, and I think depending on what the attachments are, there could be some quite interesting things that you can do with the attachments, just moving um, one to what one from the other. So um, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's fairly similar. I start with a friendly turn as well, actually the, the trigger I think is a lot better. It's no longer um, when a unit activates, it's uh, um, you can play it, you can play it whenever. So yeah, overall, I think it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a pretty good card possibly slightly worse than the previous one, but overall I think it's, it's, just, it, it, it's, it's good. Yeah. I think this card, uh, like at first glance, you know, especially with how much you'll heal is definitely in that regard, weaker than the, the current version. I think, uh, where the strength in this card comes in is just the imagination. Like what, what you can kind of bend, uh, this card to in, in your games, uh, I think is where it will really shine over the, the current version. So it'll, it'll just come down to, uh, to what you can kind of do with it per game. Yeah. Um, so next up we have coordination tactics. Um, let's see. Let me pull up the is there a current version of that. Oh, I think it's distraction tactics. Or no, I'm getting the names mixed up. So coordination tactics is a new card, which is start of any turn. Target two friendly infantry units in short range of each other. Until the end of the turn, both units gain any abilities on the other unit. You may immediately trigger one unused start of turn order on either of those units. Um, so I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, one thing I absolutely love uh, about this card is giving uh, defensively giving a unit visage from the followers of bone or potentially offensively giving uh coordinated uh, assault from the spear wives for the plus one hits. So like charging in with followers of bone with uh, coordinated assault would be awesome. Uh, how about you, Tom? What do you, what do you kind of think about this card? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, I mean, I know people think that taunts are rubbish ability, but if you put them with send and horrific visage, then that's becoming quite a nice little combo. Um, and I think where it's really going to shine is when we see things like um, battle shirts, followers of the bone, and the more expensive infantry units, where you can get a, a, a unit of free throat raiders that aren't particularly great, and it, you're suddenly upping it a whole lot more. So um, I suspect when we see even more reveals, it could be even better. But yeah, horrific visage, as you say, is is going to be fantastic to put on on pretty much any any infantry unit or um you've got vicious, um whatever other um attachments they've got. So yeah, I think I think this is gonna be a really strong card that you can you can play and you can come up with some fairly nasty combinations with it. And I think this card uh, actually like it promotes wanting you to diversify as uh Michael and Fabio have already stated, but I think another thing it in encourage you to do is run the attachments because that's more abilities that you're going to be able to transfer onto each unit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, uh, like if there's 
a follow me um, order because uh, I think as as uh, we talked about in the episode where they showed one of each faction's card, you know, some of the combos with orders that could trigger off of each other, you know, follow me into a follow me um, could be pretty uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, this is a card with so much potential uh, and it's really up to your imagination. What about you, Brett? What do you think about this card? Um, you know, honestly, I'm probably going to be an outlier in this because I've already heard some people having discussions about taunt and they still believe taunt is terrible. Thank you. <laughs> no something, way. Something that, comes, something that comes to mind for me right now, just, just thinking about this is you can take a unit of followers of bone, for example, that are positioned to where they're in front of stakes and uh, you can't align without lining up over the stakes. You taunt the enemy. They cross the stakes, charge the followers of bone. They take D3 plus one wounds. Um, you know, you've got to assume that trappers work some kind of way the same or if not the same. Uh, so you can make them take wounds from trappers. As soon as they charge you, take wounds from the stakes. And then when they charge into the followers of bone, they have probably lost enough rank that you can very easily trigger there's too many. You could literally taunt them and kill them by doing wounds from trappers, doing wounds from stakes, and then playing there's too many on their panic test when they do horrific visage. And that could be the commander's unit. Um, in addition to yep. that, taunt is nice because you can taunt an enemy commander off of an objective. That's a big, big swing. Um, if you, it's two points that they're losing if their commander comes off the objective. It's a four-point swing if you bump their commander and then put your commander on it. Uh, I think the the new taunt has a ton of potential. Um, it's just about setting it up right, and uh, doesn't seem that awfully hard to set up. So, well, especially if you're placing terrain, uh, like if you're doing a player's choice, and you place uh, a stakes for the combo, and then you place near it uh, on either side a uh, corpse pile to just kind of ensure that combo kind of happens. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think the other nice thing about the taunt is that now you don't know where the taunt's coming from. I think it was easy, always easier to play around it if you knew, well, that's the unit that's got taunt, and therefore I know either to avoid it because I don't want to charge into it, or I'm happy to. But now you could have three or four units in front of you, and you just don't know which which way the taunt's going to come from. So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's definitely better, and I think it gives you it gives you a bit more flexibility as well. Yeah, I think I think it won't be long before some people realize that it does have really nice potential, and all of a sudden people will be lamenting the taunt. The, the, they taunted me over stakes. <laughs> it was horrible. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, especially because uh, with that combo in particular, I believe uh, because charges are now two actions, you're going to take uh, two dam uh, two damages from the stakes. I think it specifies that when charging, you only take the damage one. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Uh, yeah. Because it is I think the state. Go ahead. No, I think it specifies in the rule book uh, when it's talking about dangerous terrain. It says when charging, the damage is only done one. Oh, is that like a like a extra box? Yeah, I'll go to, look. Like, the end of it. Yeah, I'll go look. Yeah, I'll go look in oh, okay. the, uh, 
updated rule book, but I'm almost positive that there's yeah, no, no you're, 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 you're right, Brett. But, 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 but even considering that, you've got stakes, you've got um, traps, you've potentially got horrific visage as well. So you've got three things that can do some serious damage just by them charging into you. So um, you can easily see yourself wiping up one, maybe even two ranks just by just by that ability. And and taunt, taunt, taunt's a much nicer ability than it used to be as well without those minus, those, those, those negative modifiers to it. So even something like a, a unit of berserkers now is going to be a lot more wary of taunt than, than in the past. Well, especially if, uh, if um, it's early in the round and the swords haven't even been taken. I mean, you could then swing with the if they somehow live, you just swing with the Fowler's Bone for free. And then, you know, if you can get uh, the other coordination tactics in your hands and then just leave the Fowler's Bone at those stakes and wait for someone else to try to get close, I mean, you could potentially trap them twice into that. Yes. Um, I mean, that's one, that's one thing I mentioned on another uh, podcast just, strictly talking about taunt just you can taunt them in and then the unit that they that they charge retreats and now you're stuck on stakes like oh we'll see you later <laughs> like, we're out of here we don't really <laughs> want to fight you but you know now you're on stakes so you better have one of your homies come up here and break these stakes or you're going to get hurt when you break them too so but at any rate we're going see you later Okay, I found it on page 24 of the rule book, uh, terrain keywords under dangerous. The very last part in uh, uh, parentheses is unit suffers damage only once during a charge. Yep, you're definitely correct, which is good. Uh, taking it twice would have been way too punishing. Like, <laughs> uh, almost no one in the right mind would uh, ever make that charge. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, next up we have there's too many. When an enemy is performing a panic test before dice are rolled, the enemy suffers minus one to the roll and plus one wound on failure for each of your infantry units in short range with more remaining ranks up to three. So um, I think this version of it is ten times better and way more potential than the old uh, there's too many, which was when an enemy combat unit activates, if there are two or more enemies engaged, with that unit, they suffer a panic test with minus two to the roll. So, whereas before, it was very situational that you needed two units in combat, and then they still only took it at minus two with the potential of just taking D3 plus one. Now, you just have to be in short range, especially if it's a cav unit or a solo. Um, you can, uh, you know, really do some damage to them, and you don't have to really you know, if it's early in the game, you're going to have more ranks automatically. You just have to make sure you have three of them in short. Uh, so I think this card is immensely better than it was. What do you think, Brett? Oh, it's, yeah, it's definitely better. This is a, this is like a hero kind of um, damage multiplying card. Um, again, in, in combination with the Champion of Bones, and in combination with like a, a horrific visage, you've got the potential if you've got your free folk buddies close, which, you know, free folk like to stick close together. Um, they don't like being attacked anyway, but they definitely, definitely don't like being flanked. Uh, they're the ones that want to be doing the flanking. They want to stick together because they, they feed off of those counter charges. 
and uh, you know some of the positioning and, and the ability to get multiple units in. So it's not out of the question to think that you're at least getting a minus two when you play this, but I'm seeing like a horrific visage from a full rank unit being up to negative six and D3 plus three, but at max with a perfect scenario, it can be negative seven, D3 plus four on a failure. Like if you don't see that as being incredibly powerful and scary, like I don't really know. That's literally scarier than current Melisandre. So punishing. And I think it's a great card. It's definitely better than the old version, fully, in my opinion. And I just, I think it's great. I don't think it's horribly difficult to set up, like I said, at least two units in short range. And I don't think it'll be that bad. I mean, the condition exists where you've got to have more ranks than them, but I don't think it should be that hard. Um, if you consider using terrain and some of the heavy hitters that free folk will surely have this, this can happen. Um, even the spear wise, like we'll get to them later. They've got so much damage output. Um, you've got passive damage. Uh, you can assume hidden traps do some kind of damage for moving or something like this. There there's, there's ways to outrank your opponent. Um, Tom and I have played games and more often than not, you know, he's got, <laughs> he's got more ranks than all of my stars do, so it's not out of the question. Well, yeah, one thing not, to reference yeah, right. one thing to reference that would be a great combo as well here is uh, the Weeper two-point attachment. You throw him in uh, either Spearwives or maybe Savages because they have that uh, nice morale for that two-point that two point, uh, attachment, and uh, you play like you have like a Champion of Bone on Fowler's of Bone, and you play Coordination Attack, uh, Cave Dweller Savages, or you know, vice versa, I guess it doesn't really matter at that point um, which one you're attacking with. But now you have, uh, you know, you can make your opponent panicked to really ensure there's too many is going to just go off. You're going to get all those. You're going to have the Vicious. You're going to have the Sundering. Um, you know, it's going to be a bad day uh, for your opponent. What do you think of this one, Tom? Yeah, no, it's 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 so much better than the old one. I I don't think I've ever played There's Too Many um, in its current guise because it's so difficult to pull off. Um, so it's just one of those cards in, in the past. You'd have it and it would just go straight into your discard pile. Whereas now, even if you've only got one one unit in short range, it's still worth playing it just on the off chance that you, you get that extra, extra wound. So um, the fact that you can now use it whenever i think makes it makes a huge difference to it so yeah no i think it's a it's it, 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 it it's a massive positive compared to what it used to be yep and you know the chances you get all uh, the max of three is i still think it's still it's going to be pretty high especially if you have like a, a regroup and reform and you have two units that aren't engaged, the one that just got like charged, let's say, and is now less ranks, you regroup and reform, you attack, that attack takes off a rank. Now they're at two ranks taking their panic test. I mean, they could fail and take six wounds, seven wounds if you have the um, champion of bone. I mean, you could potentially just reactively kill them, start of the turn, regroup and reform, and then you know, who knows, you could even regroup and reform the champion of bone into the unit that's about to attack and knowing that you're going to play there's too many. 
Um, so next up we have uh, diversion tactics. Uh, for this one, uh, before it was um, when an enemy, oh, come on, uh, phone's being, all right, so when an enemy makes a melee attack, that unit suffers minus one to hit for each enemy engaged with them beyond the first. So kind of like there's the current, there's too many, you needed multiple units to really make it do anything. Now it's after an enemy unit completes a melee attack. If the defender has already activated this round, target one other friendly unit in long range. It performs one maneuver action. So uh, the one combo I think with this it uh, is amazing. Really jumped too far ahead with uh, Thin Warriors, but we've already kind of covered Taunt. I think... Uh, you know, activating a unit right away and attacking, and then after they get attacked, uh, maneuvering, send warriors up, and then your very next action, march them into the face of some archers. So that way when those archers activate, you know, they have no choice but to uh, take a minus three, uh, assuming you're at full ranks, a minus three um, panic test, and now you're you're going to force their archers into charging you, and now they're going to be stuck in that combat. And you know you can really uh, mess over some uh, ranged units. How do you feel about this card, Tom? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I I, I see it as a slightly worse version of Harmer's current card, um, Distraction Tactics. I think it is, um, and I think any maneuver after you've been attacked is just a really really powerful card because it sets you up for the next turn for that counter charge that you can make um and nine times out of ten your opponents just not expect you to be able to charge them in the flank or or, or the rear because you, you you you've effectively got two turns on them so um yeah yeah no it's 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 it's, it's going to be a really strong card and i think you've just got to plan maybe slightly further ahead because of that trigger that you've got to have already activated this round but um i think a, a, a savvy free poke player is going to be able to make really good use of this this card yep and uh another thing this can be used for is uh for regroup and reform coordination tactics and we'll soon talk about it but surrounded and exposed uh there's too many this free maneuver could get you into all those cards ranges uh, so, like, if you weren't before and your your uh, your strategy wasn't going to work as well because you you just out of range, maybe mismeasured, or you just haven't gotten the chance to move them within range, this card will give you a reactive way to get within uh, range of some of these other cards to then trigger them. What do you think, Brett? I think you've got an opportunity here to play a little bit of a, a psychological game with your opponent as well. Um, the fact that you have to have a unit activated um, and then you can play this card after they're attacked, uh, you could play a game if you have a unit that you really just don't want to be attacked, like you want to keep them alive, you can go ahead and activate them, and as a result, uh, you know, you activate them out of turn, like when there's a spot open on the board or something like this. And this is for, like, high-level play, like high level play is why I assume, like, you go to the board first and things of this nature. But you can play that game and you activate that unit, and then your opponent's like, well, why would they activate them now? Like, that doesn't really make sense. 
and you can lead them to believe that you have this card because when you get to higher level, everybody knows everybody's card. So it's like, well, I don't really want to go attack this unit right now because they've got this diversion tactics card. Maybe you don't even have it. And it's like, uh, well, you know, anytime you can manipulate your opponent from doing something that they probably want to do, it's a win for you. So you can use that to your advantage. But outside of that small little game within the game, it's still a good card. Um, they, they put the additional condition on there. Uh, as Tom said, it's, it's pretty much exactly like Harma's diversion tactics right now, uh, except for that the unit has to be activated. And they've put that little, they've put that little restriction on there because I'm still believing that um, Swift Reposition is like the new Swift Advance. So I think you're going to see a very drastic reduction in some of these cards that just get you across the board as much as you want. Uh, so w you, you can think that a free maneuver-like action from a card is going to be hard to come by in 2021. So the fact that this one exists, there's got to be a little bit of setup for it, and I think that's the price you pay. And I think it'll all make sense when the entire 2021 update comes out, but it's not just this clue that's giving me that indication. It's also, um, you know, like I said, the swift re reposition being only a three inch maneuver at max, if not, it's a two inch shift. And um, additionally, you saw that devastating impact only gives you a reroll to the charge distance. There's no, six inch with two free wounds so you've got to believe that a lot of these cards have been dialed back i'm not sure that you'll be seeing a card that's like uh just make a free march for no reason <laughs> i don't i think that they <laughs> have realized that that being able to be wherever you want on the battlefield is a problem i think they saw some of the you know the the range that berserkers can cover you know with with Rob's attachment and Swift Advance, they can literally charge you from the 8, 16, 22 inches away. And I think that they realize that it's a little bit of a problem. <laughs> Maneuverability is very important in this game, and I don't think that they want some of these get-out-of-jail-free cards to exist. I think actually the words that Michael used were uh, that they were doing something to work on some of the, quote, gotcha cards. So... This is still a gotcha card. It just takes a little bit of setup. But, again, I think when the entire 2021 update comes out, um, free folk players can feel better about losing the super strong diversion tactics because I think a lot of people have lost these cards. Yeah, and just one thing to note about this deck uh, so far is, you know, I think, uh, granted we haven't talked about the next three, but, this deck is, even though, you know, there's been talk, you know, cards getting toned down and this and that, I think this deck is immensely better than the current form. Uh, like, this, the Tactics deck for Free Folk is a big reason why I never really enjoyed playing Free Folk. I love the units. I, you know, I like, you know, kind of how they play outside of their Tactics deck. But their Tactics deck is just, you know, I feel like I can never get most of the cards off that... A lot of times I find myself just discarding a ton of them because the getting like multiple units engaged is not as easy as it sounds, even with a horde. Because if your opponent's smart and they're able to reactively uh, align or retreat or something, you know, it, getting multiple units into one is not as easy as it sounds. So just the yeah. tactics deck has really made me want to, you know, you know, once my 
Starks and Baratheons are fully painted, you know, Free Folk are like the next on my list list to paint now. How do you? Yeah, no, you you're right. About, uh, yeah, they're right. There were, there were there were three there were at least three tactics cards that as soon as you got it in your hand, you were just going to throw them away at the end of the round. So yeah, all all of the cards that we've got now um, are at least playable come round round two. So I think I think that's a real positive from our perspective. And yes, you might not have quite as powerful a cards, but I think overall because all of them are now playable, I think their tactic deck is better than it used to be. Yep. And uh, then one thing I really like seeing is, um, you know, when a unit activates trigger, is you know, as we know with the current Baratheon deck, is actually a really hard trigger to play around. You know, you only get so many activations in a, um, in a round, and a lot of those had you had to be engaged deck has three start of uh turn one is a start of friendly and two are start of any turn you know you get a lot of turns in a single round so even though you have nearly half your deck with the same trigger you know they you have so many opportunities to play these that uh you know it's not really a big deal and then uh, a lot of i believe um all the other triggers are different so you could really just start playing these one after the other um, and not really feel like your hand is bogged down. Um, next up, we have Overwhelming Assault. When a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, if the attacker has more remaining ranks than the defender, choose one. If the defender is engaged by two or more enemies, choose one. Choose two if both requirements are met. First one is this attack may reroll any attack dice. Next is this attack gains critical blow. And the last option is this attack gains thundering. So though this card does have the, uh, you know, having two or more units engaged, kind of like some of the cards we were just mentioning, you at least get a bonus if your opponent is uh, um, less ranks than you, which, again, if you're attacking a solo, if you're attacking a, a cavalry unit, uh, you know, they are going to naturally have less ranks, uh, assuming that both units are fully healthy. Um, so I I love this card. How do you think? Uh, what do you think about it, Tom? Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's a lot better than Group Assault. And as you say, we've got we've got so many even solo models like wolves or bears that you can just use you can just use the card on that anyway. So um, yeah, it's a massive improvement and. 80% of the time, probably, you've got a unit um, on the table that's going to have more ranks than, than one of your opponents. So um, you're incredibly likely to be able to use this this turn um, or that round, which is which is really what you're looking for in a tactics card. Can I use it that round? If so, yeah, it's, it's good. And before I yeah. go over to you, Britt, real quick, I wanted to mention uh, the nice thing about this card having all the different options it does is because you know you have one unit that has sundering um you know you have if you're charging you have rerolls so just the fact that it gives you like these three different options even if you can only pick one it, it kind of gives you, you know, you're not going to feel like uh let's say some of my lists uh in current version where if i run like all berserkers and i draw into the um Northern Ferocity, and I'm like, oh, great, Sundering on a bunch of units that have Sundering. Um, you're always going to feel like you're going to be able to add something to your unit. What do you think about this one, Brett? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with both of you guys on this one. They just they've definitely made this a lot easier to trigger, um, and that's the big thing. Um, I think this is another one that some people are going to look at and they're going to say, "Well, I have to have two conditions now to get what I got out of it before." But the bigger point is, um, you've now got um, the ability to trigger it, even if it's just half of it. It's easier to trigger. I mean, and, and that's a fair trade-off to me because, as you guys mentioned, it's misleadingly more difficult than you think to get two units engaged with a unit when you want to play the current group assault. Um, you really ideally want to be playing it on raiders when they are getting ganged up. Sometimes that's just not possible. Um, I will take this version that I've got the option to trigger one of these effects when I want to, and... I can be rewarded and get the critical blow and thundering or the rerolls and critical blow or whatever the case is, again, depending on the situation and what I want out of it. I think it's more flexible, and I think it's definitely easier to trigger. So I, if I was playing free folk, I would be happy with this as opposed to, you know, just comparing it straight up to what you got out of it before. Yep, and it's important to note that, you know, even though you have to have two engaged to get one of the effects and have uh, more ranks. Only attacker has to have more ranks. So you could have two units engaged. One could be barely alive. As long as the one making the attack has more ranks, you're going to get both effects, which is going to be awesome. Uh, and with a lot of the terrain, you know, taking away rerolls, ensuring that you have an option for rerolls, you know, is always going to be huge. Um, Moving over to Surrounded and Exposed, let me bring up the the, the current one. The so current one was at the start of any turn, target one enemy combat unit. If you have two or more friendly units within short of that enemy, that enemy loses all abilities this turn. If you control the horse, that enemy also gains one condition to, token of your choice. Surrounded Exposed is... Exposed is current version, or the revealed version, is start of any turn. Target one enemy unit for each of your friendly units in short range with more remaining ranks than that enemy, they gain one condition token. Again, uh, you know, having more is not that hard with solos and cav. Uh, you, they could move their cav into position and charge you, and as long as, you know, they don't take off uh, a whole rank, or even if they do and you have three other units nearby, I mean, that that could be three condition tokens automatically. What do you think about this one, Brett? Um, it's an, uh, this one might get a little bit of complaint again from people, um, but I think that they address that hard types of control wouldn't be super common um, and would be focused on armies that focus on hard control. Um, removing abilities, even though this one was only for the turn with Surrounded and Exposed, probably not something that free folk were really meant to be doing. Um, this version of it could potentially be maybe better, interesting and flexible, but ideally you should be able to get at least one or two of the condition tokens that you really need in that situation off. So I think, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. I think it's better than what, uh, you know, the, the people's first gut reaction is going to be to it because I still just think that cross-referencing cards to their 1.6 version is just dangerous right now. It's a bad, and, and I mean dangerous, like mentally dangerous. It's just a bad spot to put yourself in because if you're comparing 
what you have now to the 2021 version without seeing all of 2021 and seeing, you know, what other stuff was toned down for everybody, then I think you're putting yourself in a position to be disappointed. Um, I think the knee-jerk reactions to some of this stuff will lead players to be in like a bad state towards the game and kind of have a sour attitude about it. But I think you've got to approach it with an open mind, take it as face value, and remember that the 2021 is essentially almost like a new version of the game. It's almost like a second edition. It's like a a re-release with the core mechanics that we have, but they've really focused on some things that they didn't get quite right, some things that were just a little bit too strong and some things that weren't strong enough. So with that in mind, and you, if you just take this card at face value, it's a very good card. What about you, Tom? Yeah, so I, I suppose my first question is, what's the new man center you going to be like? I mean, I'm assuming he's not going to be as strong as he is now, but even if he has abilities that are based on condition tokens, then this card puts it in a whole new level. Um, yes, it's not as good as the 1.6, but I've, I've had players who've played against me who have just used around and exposed for the condition token, and I've done the same. Um, and for this card, you can get more than one condition token on if you're positioned correctly. So, yeah, it's slightly worse probably, but I think, firstly, it can be better, and secondly, we still don't know everything that there is about the Free Folk faction as a whole, so it, it might even be even better than we thought if, if Mance or something else is reliant on how many condition tokens an infantry unit or a cavalry unit's got. So, yeah, overall, I think it's it, 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 it's an absolutely fine card to have in, in, in hand. And again, it's a very easy card to pull off now. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to say that, you know, this card is worse or better. I personally like it better because I find, you know, it doesn't, uh, you know, not requiring the horse and, uh, we haven't gotten to our last card, but this one and the previous five, none of them require any spot on the tactics board. So it it's nice uh, in a way that you know you don't really have to worry about your opponent stealing a spot from you, uh, with the exception of the next card. Uh, but the fact that this one, it's completely within your own control, and you know, ca- uh, with a lot of your cards requiring you to have more ranks really puts some pressure on uh, cavalry lists because you're going to be able to really trigger your effects much easier, uh, which is going to be really nice. Um, but last up, we have the Endless Horde. When a friendly NCU claims the maneuver zone, replace that zone's effect with deploy one Free Folk Raider unit or one previously destroyed friendly Free Folk infantry unit fully within long range of a f- friendly table edge. Attachments are not included or returned. Replace them with a normal infantry model. So uh, I personally love the new version. Um, The only problem I have is not necessarily with the card itself, but with uh, what's been revealed for uh, Targaryens with field control. I love field control. I don't like effects that will essentially kill a card because of timing. Um, how do you feel about this card, Tom? Yeah, um, so I agree with you on field control. Um, equally, 
I've had a game against Brett where very first turn I drew two endless hordes in my hand and you it's one of those cards that you just you can't throw away because it's just so powerful but it, it limits your ability then to draw other cards that you you need um whereas this one what I really like about it is even if you draw it at the beginning of round one um you can play it and you've got a free raider unit on the table um and for missions like Homes and Ready for example having an even having an extra four-point unit on the table um, over your opponent, that's just a massive advantage in, a, in terms of using quadrants or being able to push up for things like Game of Thrones when you're controlling lots of objectives. Um, and, yeah, so, so, so the fact that you can just use it, whether you draw it at the beginning of a game or towards the end, I think is, is a super powerful ability. And, yes, Against start uh, against Targ, that's probably not as great. I think against everything else, it's just a it's a better, more useful card to have in your hand. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, some of the you know, I believe the old one allowed you to have the attachment, uh, which was nice. But I'd much rather have this version where. Um, uh, I don't think the old one did let you have the attachment. I might be wrong. Let me just check. Yeah, no, the old one says attachments are not returned. Oh, yeah, you're, you're correct. So, so yeah, the only the, real the, difference... The, the only advantage of the old Endless Horde was that you could play it in multiple times in a round because you didn't need to be claiming the the horses. You could claim any zone, um, which could correct. be nice yep. at the end. But um, I think the reality is that Nine times out of ten, you only ever had one in your, only ever had one in your hand. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think I, th- I think the trade-off between playing it early compared to being able to play lots right at the end, I think I think I'd much rather be able to play it early and 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 take that take take that advantage. So, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, there's definitely some pros and cons to this card compared to the older one. Uh, you know, claiming any zone, whereas this one has to be the maneuver. Um, uh, one thing I definitely like about this is, uh, unless there's something I'm missing, you automatically uh, are deployed unactivated and fully within long. So if it's later in the round and things are kind of fighting, uh, you know, they could unexpect it, you know, our opponent could be not expecting this and, you know, just not be facing the right direction. You just pop in behind them and then charge in, um, especially if you have, let's say, diverge, diversion tactics and they attack something that's already activated and these guys had already popped up the turn before uh, and now they get a free maneuver to really get wherever they want. How do you feel about the Endless Horde? Oh, I think it's incredibly... Um... It is incredibly powerful. Um, I think it's better than the old version uh, because, as Tom mentioned, it's not a dead card. You can start playing it right away. Um, It effectively gives you additional points on the battlefield um, since you don't have to wait for a unit to die. And the presence of this card, especially if you draw it early, um, allows you to really um, 
get that activation advantage and make it a lot easier to set up some of those cards. So I, I'm a, I'm a big fan as a free folk player. If I was a free folk player, I would be a big fan. I think it's something to be pretty excited about. Yes. Field control is a hard counter to it. Um, one could only hope that they will um, address that with some type of errata or FAQ that only allows, um, you know, a zone replacement to happen once. That's, that's the easiest way to answer that. You can't replace a replacement with a replacement, you know. So if the free folk player is the active player and they replace with endless horde, then you don't have the option to make that then be replaced with field control. So that would be the best and easiest solution, but we will have to wait to see what they do. Yep. And to be clear, the only problem I really have with that interaction is the, is the fact that Endless Horde will get played and then immediately discarded. Um, other than that interaction, I like field control a lot. Uh, I just don't like effects that will just kind of, you play the card and then, you know, it just dies. I mean, Counterplot kind of does that, but that's like the card, that's what the card is like revolved around doing. Whereas field control uh, doesn't seem like it was ever meant to just kill a tactics card. It's just meant to replace to replace the effect of the maneuver zone. Um, so yeah, moving on to the units. Uh, I'm going to briefly talk about Thin Warriors because we've kind of covered them quite a bit. But they do have, they are five. Uh, uh, the four new units we're going to be talking about are all five points. Uh, they did add... Uh, Raiders in here, even though they were previously revealed um, in the holiday uh, article. Uh, then where's five points? They move. Their movement is five. Their defense is four. A morale of six. They hit on fours with seven five four, and they have the order taunt uh, when an enemy in short range activates. If that enemy can charge this unit, it performs one morale test with minus one to their roll for each remaining rank in this unit. On a failure, it performs one charge action on this unit. This is their action for the turn. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I think, uh, as we already mentioned, one of the key things uh, is, you know, stakes, trapping people by running them, forcing them to run on, over them, uh, marching it into the face of a uh, ranged unit, and, you know, forcing that range unit to charge you. Tom, what are maybe some other uh, combinations that you can think of with this unit? Yeah, I think, I think that's probably the main ones. I, I, think, I think it's one of those ones that's it's probably the most situational of five-point units. Um, and it's also probably the only one of the ones that we'll look at that you want to only include one of. Um, but as you say, I think the ability to have a taunt that you're putting onto the stakes, potentially trapping them as they charge, and then doing horrific visage on them with coordination tactics. I think that's a, that's a superbly powerful, powerful combination. And um, I'm sure the Weeper will have some sort of panic shenanigans as well with him. So, um, yeah, I think, I think in certain lists, it's going to be a good unit if you can pull it off. I think probably compared to the other five point units in isolation, it's probably not quite as, as good as the other ones. I don't think it does anything special. I would agree. I think the Thens are a perfect like one of. 
uh, I wouldn't really, this would be the one unit that uh, I probably wouldn't run more than one of. Um, but to briefly talk about its uh, corresponding attachment, not that you have to run it, but the Chosen of Stire has uh, Stand Your Ground. Each time an enemy performs a melee attack on this unit, only engaged with one enemy, that enemy does not gain charge, flank, or rear bonuses. So the fact that you are a horde army means that uh, the chances that you're going to be engaged with multiple enemies is pretty low, but it could still happen, something to keep in mind. Now, uh, I would have to say before we move on to the rest of the units that each of their corresponding attachments, I think, uh, uh, combines the best with the unit they're uh, designed for, but that is not to, uh, you know, say that you can't uh, mix and match. There's definitely some really cool uh, combinations you can do with some of these, um, like like the Matriarch and Thens or uh, um, Cave Dweller Alpha in, uh, in maybe some uh, Spearwives in case they go down to uh, their last rank. Um, but yeah, uh, what about you, Brett? Uh, anything uh, about the Fen Warriors that maybe we missed? No, I think we've pretty well covered all of that. Um, they do have, by by way of free folk, they have a pretty solid defensive profile. I mean, five points for a four-plus defense and a six-plus morale uh, compared to what we've seen of 2021 stuff, uh, debatably better than cutthroats. Um but that's just not a bad defensive stat line for five points. Um, you've got a um, – you're looking at, like, Stark Sworn Swords, but everybody knows 1.6 Stark Sworn Swords are OP. So <laughs> that's, that is not a bad – that's not a bad just flat defensive profile and speed five for five points. Even if you don't love taunt, even if you don't love the fact that they hit on fours, that's, that's a solid – defense for for five points so just keep that in mind and yeah and that attack profile is you know it may seem go ahead so um are we going to talk about that in a second just want to add something about those stars or um because now this stops charge that aren't really going to be that much um, because with free folk you're unlikely to be able to because they you're kind of breaking up the whole there field. Um, can you hear me now oh is that better can you hear me yeah yep, that's you're, you're good okay sorry um, so what, what, what I was saying with Chosen Star was that because of the terrain that we've got now that basically stops charge bonuses, his main his main ability is sort of neutered quite a bit. Um, and the chance of you getting a flank or rear bonus against free folk is fairly small at the moment, simply because they can usually just span across the field. So um, of all the attachments, I think Chosen of Stars is probably my least favorite at the moment. Um, but I agree with what, everything that Brett said about Fen Warriors. Yeah, and I think one thing you could really do with him, though, is, like, if, you know, there is a portion of the field that doesn't have that uh, terrain, you can know, run this attachment knowing that you can deploy that unit, whoever he's in, uh, in that gap 
where that terrain isn't going to be. That way the rest of your uh, your forces can kind of take advantage of the any sort of alpha strikes over that uh, t type of terrain. Um, but it, it'll definitely have to be one of those things that you have to keep in mind uh, when list building. Um, next up, uh, we have Spearwives. Pers my personal favorite of the revealed units. Uh, for five points, moving five, defense five, and morale seven. They have a short-ranged uh, uh, attack, which is four up to hit with four, 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 and a melee attack with four up to hit, six, six, four. Uh, they do have the order charging volley. After this unit completes a ranged attack, this unit performs one charge action on the defender, and their um, melee attacks have coordinated assault, which is when charging deals plus one hit for each remaining rank in this unit. Now, I think this is, in my opinion, the biggest, uh, like the heaviest uh, offensive hitter. You know, the potential to throw four dice ranged, trigger a panic, use your order, charging valley, uh, charge in with six attacks hitting on fours with three auto hits uh, is just awesome. Um, and you can take the uh, combat zone to get the free ranged attack to then get the free charge and now they haven't even activated and combined with uh, some spe uh, Spearwife Matriarch when you finally get hit back you free retreat um, and uh, and then charge back in uh, especially if you combined it with a regroup and reform to get their ranks back up and then now you're charging with potentially six dice hitting on fours with three rolls and three auto hits again uh, for f six points, uh, I mean, that's that's awesome. That is a really great investment. How do you feel about them, Tom? Yeah, I love them. I mean, I've I've always been a big fan of Bastard Girls, and when I saw their updates, I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> they, they were already awesome. <laughs> but, uh, uh, for two points less, they're pretty... I mean, they're, they're, I think they're the same as the old Bastard Girls, other than long short range um obviously they changed them a bit with vicious but yeah for f for five for five points i think they're an absolutely incredible unit um and there's so much that you're going to be able to do with them just claiming the swords um start of a turn um especially if there's no varus now to block you and going in um whether it's worth the extra point to be able to retreat i'm not sure um but yeah, you're right. You could potentially do that and then charge in all over again. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely love them. I think I think they're going to be incredible, and they're I think they're they're one of a few five point units that can potentially one shot an enemy now. Um, and again, I think that's I think that's huge. Yeah, because you're looking at a potential of uh, ten dice plus three auto hits. And then that's not even counting the panic tests on both attacks. Uh, for you know, even if you don't run the matriarch, that's just for five points. Um, I think uh, time will tell, but this unit looks immensely strong. I think uh, Bastard Girls are a, a great testament of the destructive power of being able to shoot and then charge. So, what about you, Brett? How do you how are you kind of feeling about these girls? Mm, they're they're good. Uh, they're real good. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much else to say. It's, it's like Tom said, it's hard to decide, you know, just 
we'll have to see some of these lists in practice. We'll have to see them hit the, the 2021 meta, see what's popular, see what's a good activation count, see what uh, some of these things reveal, and then you know, you can decide if the, the Spearwife Matriarch is good. On paper, yeah, she looks really good. Um, being able to, you know, wait to activate your Spearwives, you don't necessarily care that much if they get charged because their attacks don't go down until they're at the very last rank. Um, I could see, yeah, I could see it being really, really good. So um, we will have to wait to see just what happens with attachments. Um, I'm of the opinion that attachments are looking quite good now. Um, for the most part, they're a little bit underpriced for what they do. This is just, for the most part, I think the matriarch at one is is pretty reasonably priced. So, um, but we've seen some other attachments that probably, if they were 1.6 attachments, would have cost a little bit more than what they cost in 2021. So, we will just have to see what happens with attachments before I can say that the matriarch is a must. Yeah, for me, she's she's definitely a win. Uh, uh, for those that aren't uh, able to see her card, she has the order Swift Retreat after an enemy completes a melee attack on this unit. The unit performs one retreat action. Uh, next up, we have Followers of Bone. Again, five points. Movement of five, a defense of five, a morale of seven. They hit on fours with seven, five, four. They naturally have Vicious, and they have uh, Horrific Visage. Each time an enemy performs a melee attack on this unit, before resolving that attack, target the attacker, they suffer one panic test with minus one to their roll for each remaining rank in this unit. Uh, Tom, how do you feel about these guys? Yeah, I love them. I mean, my, first, my, my instant comparison was against Cutthroats, and yeah, I wish, I wish Cutthroats were this good. Um, <laughs> because Horrific Visage now is just such a good ability. Um, because it's it's all it's it's almost a psychological thing as much as the ability itself. You can just see opponents thinking whether they would charge you, even now when you're running Blackguard, and the fact that there's an extra wound um, and there's a, my, a negative to the modifier. I think that's going to really make think people think twice about attacking you. Morale on the whole seems to be worse as well. Looking looking through all the units. Um, so again, it 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 just amp, it just amps it up, and as soon as you start putting coordination tactics in it as well, I think you've got to have at least one of these in every single list, if not two or three, but at least at least one. Yeah, unless I'm running like a really themed type list, I would I would almost say that I would want at least one of each of these units in my in almost all of my lists because. They each bring so much, you know, variety and, uh, you know, kind of a, a toolbox in themselves. How about you, Brett? Oh, yeah, I mean, I agree. They, uh, for me, the followers of Bone, they were a unit uh, when I played my little brief moments of just messing around with free folk in between factions. Followers of Bone were what I liked. Uh, probably weren't the strongest choice for 1.6, but they were fun. Uh, absolutely loved the models. Um now at five points, uh, and, and with this stat line, they just feel right. So I imagine you'll be seeing a lot of them. Agreed. I uh, I can't wait to play all these units. Uh, I think you know the price reduction on uh, 
you know, a lot of the stuff. And even though Spearwives uh, went up a point, I believe, um, yeah, I think they're definitely worth that extra point increase. Um, but yeah, uh, next up we have Cave Dweller Savages. Uh, they have a six move, a six defense, and a four up morale. They hit on fours with six, seven, eight. Uh, they have frenzied swings on their melee attacks, which, which gives them sundering and gains plus one to hit for each of this unit's destroyed ranks. After completing this attack, this unit suffers one wound for each attack die roll of one. So, uh, Tom, how do you kind of feel about these guys? And I've seen some people trying and comparing them to Berserkers. What are your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, the I think, current, I think uh, it's not... a comparison, isn't it? Um, because on one rank, they're eight dice hitting on twos. Um, and yes, okay, they get a wound if you roll a one. But for a five-point unit, I think that's just that's just worth it. Um, they've got they've got movement six. Yeah, there's, 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 there's nothing almost that they they can't do. Um, and they're a li- they're a li- the, I mean the the only thing against berserkers is I think berserkers were always surprisingly tanky due due to their five plus armor save. Like you you always thought oh I could probably get one shot them and then actually they were always annoyingly left on one or two wounds. Whereas Cave Dweller Savages, I think probably you don't have to kill that many before you can reliably get rid of them with the 6-plus armor defense. But um, yeah, again, for 5 points, I really don't think there's much worse than them. And I'm I'm struggling to think of any 5-point unit at the moment that, in terms of raw regression, can can beat them. Um, so yeah, I think, again, I think they're a really nice unit to, to have. Personally, I feel like Berserkers um, are worth the one extra point. Uh, I think maybe, you know, Cave Dweller Savages might eke out uh, just being barely better for their point cost than Berserkers. But I don't know, maybe I'm just biased. I think uh, the um, uh, unyielding that uh, Berserkers have is undervalued at the moment. Um I mean, you might not have Sundering uh, on the Berserkers, but who knows if there's a way to give that to them. Um, And, uh, you know, you never know what kind of attachment that you can kind of put in those Berserkers to just amplify them. Because sometimes putting a one-point attachment in a unit, the synergy between that unit, you know, might might make them, you know, let's say for this uh, example, a one-point attachment in Berserkers would make them seven points. Well, their their synergy might make them so strong they're like equivalent to eight points. So it's hard to tell until Starks are kind of revealed. But I don't know. I think uh, I think it's not like a glaring um, difference. What about you, Brett? Uh, I mean, if we're strictly talking about the cave dweller savages, I really really like them. Um, I uh, um, I just think that they're. I, I don't think it's again. I don't think it's healthy to compare cross faction or compare to what they were or what they used to be or anything like this. Um, comparing them straight up to one to twenty twenty one berserkers probably isn't a fair comparison. Um, but with that in mind, I very much like these cave dweller savages. Um, 
we had the original version that was maybe a little bit too strong, having Vicious all the time and some of the synergies that the Free Folk were able to come up with. The current version, I really like. The right now version, I very much like them. They are an excellent finisher. Um, and I think one of the gentlemen in World Cup has bought into a theory that I've had as well. He's running Cave Dweller Savages with Mammoths and Trappers, you know, because they are the premier finisher right now. And if you've got things that do auto wounds in the current version, they're going to come in and just break you in half. This version is somewhere in between. They are good at alpha striking, but they're not so oppressively alpha striking. They are bringing Thundering to the table, which is something that Free Folk have really, really lacked. Um, as far as I know, they don't have anything outside of Spearwives Charging that gives Thundering except for Group Assault. So for the perfect coordination tactics, this could really, really help punch through some of the uh, defensive saves. And they're, of course, misleadingly defensive because 6-plus uh, with a 4-plus morale makes them more defensive than current Bastards girls. And I know and you guys know, and, and Tom can definitely attest, that Bastards girls are way harder to kill than you think. Like, you really think you're going to kill them, but you're not. You're just not. You're not going to come in and one-shot them. You need, like, 14 hits or more, maybe with a vulnerable token, to really one-shot a unit like this. So, I am a fan. Yep. Yeah, I think and, to... and always with these units, you, you think, oh, I'm going to be able to one-shot them, because it's deceptive, and then you don't and that's what makes them really, really strong. I think if yeah. if you didn't, almost if you didn't think you would be able to one-shot them um, and you put two weaker units on, that's a better idea than trying to put something really strong like a Tully Cavalier unit on them and then failing because that's what makes them really angry and, and, and really good. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's that deceptiveness about them that you look at their profile and you think, oh, man, they're really easy to kill, but they're not. That's the problem. Agree. Yeah, and I think uh, you know some players might just try to ignore these guys. You know, they're like, oh well, six dice sitting on fours, and they they're gonna occasionally do wounds to themselves. You know, they're gonna maybe try to just not hurt them so that they don't start. Hurt. I mean, regroup and reform might be a key uh, um, strategy with this unit. To let's say you have a follower's bone nearby. And, you know, you take four right off the dwellers to uh, heal up the followers of bone so that they can start getting their better profile. And now you're hitting on threes with seven dice uh, with the savages, um, I think, is a valid uh, way to kind of get them to hitting better and yeah, putting out more damage if your opponent... Estates and charging in. And pull up. <laughs> oh, no, I've had DC plus two wounds. That's terrible. <laughs> oh wait a minute! Especially if you like, it was because you taunted them into the stakes, and then you, you know, charge into the stakes yourself. Like if they're not fully covering the stakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, their uh, corresponding um, attachment. Again, not that you have to run them like that, is the Cave Dweller Alpha, which has the Order Insight. When this unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack gains Vicious and rolls its highest attack die value. So you can get to that eight dice with Vicious and Sundering uh, with that attachment. And if you're, you know, um, 
down one rank, uh, you might not take advantage of that plus one die because you're already getting max, which would be eight in this case, but you will be hitting on threes. I mean, hitting on threes with ace, dice, dice, sundering, and vicious for a six-point unit is pretty awesome. Yeah, and no D3 wounds as well, which I think puts insight into a whole different level than what it used to be. Yep. Um, all right, then last up we have... Uh, to briefly talk about Free Folk Raiders, which we already talked about in another show, I just want to mention that, uh, bring it up again, that Cowardly is not as bad as it seems. I mean, this is a unit that is not giving up a victory point. I know it's hard to get used to this version because, you know, the current version, three points, I mean, it was such a bargain. Uh, now, plus two, it can seem pretty hefty, but, I mean... Free Folk were released back before Panic ever changed to anything. So you were taking, you know, you'd roll your dice and it was the difference. So you could t- you could easily take, roll Snake Eyes with no modifier and take six wounds. Um, I mean, these guys are definitely no stranger to having swaths of uh, guys run away in Panic tests. So um, just briefly about that, uh, what do you think, Tom? Yeah, I, I mean... Obviously, they're worse than they were. I don't think they're so much worse. I think Insignificant in particular has become a better ability because there's a lot less out there that can turn off units' abilities. So whereas before, with a Raider unit, probably 40% of the time when the unit died, it it would give a victory point simply because it had Walder on it or something else. Now, it's... It, it's very unlikely to give away a victory point. So you've just you've just got a unit on the table that's not going to do much. Yes, Cowardly gives plus two wounds on the panic test, but you've got to compare that to what it was in 1.6, which was plus one anyway. So it's only giving away one extra wound. And I always found that Raiders were surprisingly tanky. Like whenever you attack them or that somebody was attacking you, you think, oh, they're bound to die. Um, and if I was just lucky by dice rolls or not, um, they always seem to survive um, for longer than you thought they would. And I don't think the additional wounds going to do that much to change it. Um, and then I think with adaptive, I think there's just there's just quite a lot that you can do with it. We haven't even seen skin changes yet, which are obviously always the best one point unit. But a combination of Champions of the Bone and Alpha, uh, Cave Dweller Alpha. For, the, for, the, for that unit, I think, can actually start turning him to a, quite a scary unit because they're, they're bound to do one wound. And then um, by incre- it, it, for Free Folk, I think it's always been about how much chip damage you can do via Panic Tokens. Um, and Champion of the Bones and Cave Dweller Savages really increase your chances of being able to do chip damage to, to your opponent. So... Yes, they might not be quite as good, but I think I think they've still got a place in a free folk army. Um, whether they're as good as a lot of the five point units, I'm not sure. But certainly, if you've got eight points free, having built it, then I think you probably you you you, you put them in for the activations, if nothing else. Yeah, and I'm gonna make uh, some uh, assumptions here. Uh, this is assuming. They don't change. Fingers crossed they don't. I really hope they don't because this is something that kind of jumped out at me uh, immediately is running Free Folk 
like two free folk greater units. Uh, and I know there's a lot of assumptions because all three of these have not been released yet. Um, but if the Walrus Chieftain hasn't changed, you're looking at a five-point raider unit, so right on par with the other ones. But a free folk raider with the resilience order and then running Mance uh, Commander maybe in some, uh, in some trappers and Mance giving them that five-up... Uh, morale. Now you have, uh, let's say you run two of them as like this wall in front of Mance with trappers and, you know, you are investing, what is it, 14 points because it's two points for the uh, walrus and you get a discount of one. Now you have uh, 24 bodies that have a five-up morale and uh, um yeah, 24 bodies with 5-up morale covering your commander who has uh, who's in uh, trappers and, uh, you know, and those 24 bodies have resilience, essentially making them t uh, 48 bodies that have a really good chance of passing most of their morales. Um, what do you think about that, uh, Tom? Yeah, no, I agree. I think they, <laughs> they, they, they've got so much potential and... Um, yeah, there's so many attachments as well that we just haven't seen. And as I understand it, character attachments are going to be even better than than the generic ones. So there's there's bound to be an attachment that's good enough that you'll put them in. I mean, you see people putting Stormcrow mercenaries in all sorts of random units at the moment just to put an attachment in, and Stormcrow mercenaries are fairly rubbish so I, I suspect it'll be fairly similar to to raiders they'll there'll be those one or two attachments that are just so good you need to put them in and the only way that you can put them in is by putting in a free throat raider unit so yeah i yeah they 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 they're going to be used there's no doubt about that yeah i think the raiders are perfect uh where they're at now in the sense that at Three points, I think three points, almost anything is too cheap uh, for an activation. Um, and at four points, but giving them a discount essentially makes the unit the same, but uh, uh, lowering or reducing that uh, minimum purchase value. Uh, so you're going to see like a couple raiders in there just to help fuel the regroup and reform. Uh, you know, have just some more uh, activation uh economy and you know run those uh free attachments that you can also use to throw into other units with regroup and reform so great free folk raiders definitely i think are reduced in the value of wanting to spam them for insignificant spam uh but uh, which i guess could still be a strategy i mean uh with less things that it seems to be taking away uh um abilities or shutting them off, uh, I think that could still be a strategy. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be so strong that you're going to see it all the time, which I think is healthy. I think uh, what they've done here is a really nice, uh, diverse unit selection and attachment selection. And overall, uh, time will tell if they're stronger, weaker, about the same uh, competitively with the other factions. But personally, they just look way more fun to play than uh, than their current version, for me anyways, because uh, Free Folk are at the bottom of my list for factions to play 
just because things just seem kind of clunky with the deck and just other things. Whereas now it looks like it's just going to run like a, a really nice smooth engine. So uh, any closing closing thoughts, Tom? Uh, yeah, I agree. I I don't. I think in terms of the reveals that we've seen, I don't think they're as strong as Targs. Um, but I don't think anything that we've seen comes close to being as strong as Targs. I think I think they're as strong as any of the other factions, though. Um, from what we've seen, um, their tactics deck in particular is just a lot more useful, even if the more powerful cards have been turned down. I think the fact that you can just use all of their cards whenever you want now is going to make a real difference to the free folk. And as you say, um, Spear Wives, Followers of Bone and Cave Dweller Savages in particular, they're, they're good five-point units, even in a 1.6 environment, in a 2021 environment. I think they're going to really, really excel. So, uh, yeah, I think I think gen Generally, I'm fairly positive about the direction that that they're going in. So I think I think they're going to be a good faction um, next year or this year. And uh, lastly, uh, what would your MVP kind of be for uh, unit and attachment combo? <sighs> um, unit definitely spear wives. Unit and attachment. I don't know. I. I'd need to see where everything else. I'm, I, I'm still not. I'm still not wowed by the attachments. I've never been a big attachment person, though. I think if I had to pick, I think I'd probably do some sort of um, maybe champion of a bone, just for the guarantee or, or increasing your chance of doing panic tests and increasing the value or Cave Dweller Alpha for, for the Vicious. Um, but yeah, I, my gut feeling is that it's going, you're going to be going for activation heavy lists. And as a result, and the attachments won't get played that much outside of Free Throat Raiders. I could be wrong, um, but that's sort of how I'm leaning towards it at the moment simply because I think a lot of the five-point units are so strong. Yep, that makes sense. Um, Brett, how about you? Uh, closing thoughts and then favorite uh, unit uh, attachment combo. Yeah, I think just for closing thoughts, um, and I think this just is in general, goes across um, everything that we've seen for 2021. You've still only seen a small piece. And even as a play tester, a lot of times when stuff gets finally released to you guys, it's not exactly what I have known. So a lot of this is a very big surprise to me as well. But you've just got to keep an open mind. You've just got to wait for everything. It's fine to get excited about this little bit or start to imagine list building. But I think some of the negativity, like just feeling like, man, they really ramrodded my, my build or they ramrodded my army, like you're just assuming what um, you're assuming it compared to what you know now. You're assuming it to 1.6. I think a lot of the complaints with free folk maneuver maneuverability, they assume that everybody else maintained their level. So just keep that in mind. And and with that, I think free folk are good. Um, I think there's a lot of flexibility. I think there's a lot of cool things that can happen. I would just 
strongly encourage taking, I think you know Tormund, I think you know all of these units, obviously, that have been revealed, and you know Lady Val. So even if you take Lady Val and just do like a blank four-point NCU, just play some games with the stuff that you've seen into another faction that you've seen enough spoiled to build and just go head-to-head with, you know, some some partially kind of cobbled together 2021 stuff and then some of it will start to make sense because just looking at on looking at it on paper i think people are mixing the two versions that they know and that's why people are having this negative feel my understanding is that van van uh, a friend of the show has been doing some 2021 bat reps with stuff that's been revealed and they're having a blast and the games have been really close and they're just having a really good time with it so i would encourage doing that but as far as free folk go I am giving it to Cave Dwellers with the Cave Dweller Alpha. Um, I'm with Tom. Generally, I don't run a lot of attachments unless they have the last name Stark and they bring a wolf with them. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of that, I tend to avoid them a little bit. But for me, uh, I really see a winning combination with the Cave Dweller Savages and the Alpha. Rolling eight attack dice from the beginning and having Vicious, uh, that gives you serious, serious Alpha Strike potential. And as you go down in life, uh, you're going to be hitting on threes and twos, but you'll be able to maintain that vicious from the alpha. I really see that as just an amazing six points. Like compared to everything that we've seen so far, I feel like that six points is right on par with any six pointer that we've seen. Yep. I agree. Both of those combos. And for my, uh, uh, mine, I, sort of already mentioned it, but I think uh, Spearwise with the Matriarch, uh, that free retreat uh, is not only a free action in itself, but it's then giving you a free ranged attack with Charging Valley. Uh, so I I just value that uh, really high. It also helps ensure that if you get Alpha Striked, that your uh, one-two punch with their Charging Valley is still going to be usable. It also plays some mind games with your opponent where they think, you know what, is it worth really charging the Sphere Wives if they're just going to retreat right out of it? Especially if you've combined it up, uh, you know, throwing a weakened on them or if they're about to charge over a, a terrain piece that doesn't give re-rolls. Um, a bunch of ways that you can kind of beef up their uh, survivability. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely have to give it to that. An honorable mention would be the Followers of Bone with their champion a bone you can't really go wrong with a minus three uh on your attacks with a plus one damage and then horrific visage being minus one per rank and then plus uh plus an additional minus one and plus one uh to the damage so uh i mean we kind of mentioned pretty much all the units there so that just goes to show how well they uh designed this faction and brett you bring up a really good point about uh trying this uh, trying out what we've been what's been revealed you know, enough has been revealed that you could essentially play some, uh, uh, like, starter games, like, uh, you know, like you would uh, when you first got the Stark and Lannister starter box. I mean, enough has been revealed now that you can pretty much play, you know, pick up or um, demo games, essentially, with, uh, you know, what what you have. Because back, you know, when that's all you had, a lot of people were just running one NCU. Um, they're just, you know, they only had a handful of units to 
to go from, a handful of attachments, a couple commanders. So yeah, I, I think you there's definitely enough out at this point to kind of get a pretty decent idea. So with that said, uh, thank you all for listening in. Uh, thank you so much, Tom, for coming on. Uh, it was definitely a pleasure. Yeah, no, thank you as well for inviting me. It's been a it's been a really good discussion. Yeah, of course. And then again, um, I, as always, have to thank uh, Brett, my co-host, uh, and then Avsel, my other hosts that are always on. You know, I couldn't really do the show without you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a pleasure. It's good to get into this and talk about it, and it's nice to give the community some alternate takes and kind of a deep dive into it. So it's always exciting for me. Most of all, I just want people to have a little bit of a, a, um, I'm not saying that everybody's negative, but there's definitely a a little bit of doom and gloom here and there on the Facebook, everybody to have fun. And, uh, you know, this is a game and, but I want everybody to be able to, you know, play what they want to play and, and enjoy it. And I think, I think the free folk are, they just look really fun to me. So, yeah, no, I definitely. agree. The, and the more the more I've looked at it, the more I thought actually that they're, they're stronger than people are making out. So I agree. I think I think they're going to be a fun faction moving forward. Yep, and change is always you know it's hard for most people, uh, you know, especially this much change. But it's it's one of those just try to look at it, you know, glass half full. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff here. Um, you know, the developers and designers love this game so much. So, uh, you know, that they're doing their best to, you know, make it the best game possible. And I, I truly believe that, uh, from what we've seen, uh, there's very, very little that concerns me. And as I've said in the past, uh, anything that does concern me, I have faith that, uh, if it really is a problem in the end that, uh, they'll, uh, address it. So uh, with that said, thank you all for listening in. Uh, Please remember to like, share, and follow us on any of the platforms we are currently on. Please go to Facebook to uh, like, follow, and share us there. We don't need uh, that many more likes in order to do a giveaway for a random random winner will win a starter or a, uh, a unit box of their choice. And then uh, also, I'll probably post it tonight just so I don't forget to post it in the morning. I'll be posting on our Facebook page a uh, post where you can, uh, all you have to do to enter the contest that we're going to be doing is like our Facebook page and put a comment in. Uh, And then uh, for every foil uh, card set that you bought, uh, and all you have to do is show proof uh, with a picture and like a timestamp. Uh, for every one that you bought, you get one additional entry. So commenting slash like uh, and liking is uh, one entry, and then every foil uh, pack that you bought um, from I believe the Asian uh, a- a- sorry uh, Asia Expo um, is uh, an additional entry. So. Definitely uh, keep an eye out for that. We will be doing it all month, so all month of March will be up. It won't be until the end of March that uh, we draw winners. But definitely uh, spread the word because, you know, oh, I guess I should mention if this is the first time you're hearing of it, the winners, we will pick seven, uh, will get uh, a card, uh, one of the card packs of their choice shipped to them anywhere uh, that you live. 
And, uh, yeah, it's just our way of kind of giving back to you guys for listening in and, you know, being, you know, you know, being there to support us. And, uh, you know, we also want to give a higher chance to those that kind of bought into the foil packs thinking that they're going to be able to use them for a really long time. Um, so definitely uh, keep an eye out for that and definitely spread the word, especially if you know someone that invested a lot of money into the uh, card packs because I almost did the same thing. I almost invested in one of each faction and like seven of the neutrals just so I had extra copies to sleeve into the other uh, factions. So I definitely uh, can kind of understand uh, you know, some of the investment you guys put in. So definitely keep an eye out for that and uh, share it out, please. Uh, with that, uh, thank you so much again. Uh, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. <laughs>